Hey there, this is Mark Filipino, the host of the FT News Briefing. Before we start the show, I want to let you know that I actually record the briefing the night before it's published. So today's show, Thursday, I'm actually recording on Wednesday night, New York time. I mention this because events are moving quickly in the Ukraine conflict. So things could change between now, when I'm recording, and by the time you listen. Okay, with that out of the way, let's start the show. Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, February 24th. And this is your FT News Briefing. Russian President Vladimir Putin has ordered a special military operation in Ukraine. And how might the Ukraine conflict affect the global economic recovery? If you are effectively threatening World War III, the economic situation is going to get very ugly very quickly. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. There is no purgatory for war criminals. They go straight to hell, Ambassador. That was Ukraine's ambassador to the UN during an emergency Security Council meeting early Thursday morning. He was speaking to Russia's ambassador shortly after Vladimir Putin ordered a full-scale military invasion. There were explosions in several Ukrainian cities, including the capital Kyiv, after Putin made the announcement on Russian state television. Meanwhile, in the markets, the price of Brent crude rose above $100 a barrel, and stock futures dipped after the order. The FT's Moscow bureau chief, Max Seddon, joins me now with more on Putin's order. Hi, Max. Hi, Mark. So, Max, what ultimately triggered this invasion? Well, in the end, this was all just completely Putin's own decision. There was no real, real pretext. Russian official sources and uh, state TV have been claiming in the last week that there was what they called Ukrainian aggression against uh, separatist territories in, in eastern Ukraine. They, they claim that this is uh, genocide. But in the end, Putin didn't really concoct any kind of pretext. He just went ahead and did it. He said uh, that Russia would strive to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine. That's a quote. And he's also vowed to bring to justice everyone who committed bloody crimes against civilians. What are Putin's long-term goals here? I know he said he doesn't want to occupy Ukraine. So if he doesn't want to occupy it, what's the long-term game plan? Well, you and I think about Ukraine as the country that is internationally recognized now. Putin made it pretty clear earlier this week that he is personally affronted by the very existence of Ukraine in its in its current form. He he gave this long rambling speech on Monday where he he said that most of Ukraine had uh, had been uh, taken from from Russia by the czars and uh, various uh, Soviet leaders, and he vowed to complete what he called the decommunization of Ukraine, which appeared to mean dismembering it and depriving it of some of its territory. So I think uh, that that could very very well be what he has in store. What about the international community? How are they expected to respond? Well, the U.S. and NATO have already said that they won't intervene militarily on on the side of Ukraine. There there will be extensive sanctions against Russia from, from the U.S. and its Western allies that we will get later today. But I think Putin knows very well that there's not going to be any kind of military response from the West other than perhaps some increased arms supplies to Ukraine. But even already, that might be very difficult because there are reports of Russian attacks and even, even Russian troops appearing uh, everywhere from the Northeast to the southwest of, of Ukraine. And Putin said, this is a quote, whoever tries to stand in our way or create threats for our country, people should know Russia's response will be immediate and lead you to consequences you have never encountered in your history. How has Ukraine responded? Have, have you gotten a sense of what things are like there? 
Yeah, so um, my, my colleagues in Ukraine are, are, are in Kiev. Some of them have heard explosions. There are reports of explosions in uh, Kharkiv in northeastern Ukraine, in Odessa in southwestern Ukraine. And people are, are, are really panicking. The Ukrainian government is planning to introduce martial law. According to the latest reports, they've closed all of the airspace over, over Ukraine. And they have vowed to do what they can. To, to fight back. Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, gave gave a very moving speech in the early hours of Thursday where he said that when you attack us, you will not see our backs, you will see our faces. Max, you're based in Moscow, and I know it's you know early by you, but do you know how this is impacting everyday Russians? In some way, I think because Ukraine knows that there there's only so much that the West is willing to do because the, the West doesn't want an open confrontation with with Russia, that its best hope may be the Russian people. Zelensky, in his uh, speech, he spoke to the Ukrainian people in Ukrainian for two minutes, but then he switched to Russian, which is his native language, and he addressed Russians directly for nine minutes. And it was uh, absolutely astonishing. He said that, I am, I am sure that there are Many, many people among you who who don't want war, and if the you know uh, Putin won't listen to us, but maybe maybe he'll listen listen to you. So far, there's not really an, any indication this uh, is going to happen. Putin is still you know, broadly popular in Russia, even if not as much as 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 he was. The question is, how much will will Russian people be able to put up with the economic consequences of this? Uh, the the ruble is already at record lows. The Russian stock market is collapsing, and there are about to be sanctions, the, the like of which the Russia has never seen from the U.S. and Europe. And uh, that will also have a, a big effect on Russia's economy. Max Seddon is the FT's Moscow bureau chief. Before the crisis in Ukraine escalated, the global economic recovery from the pandemic was looking strong, even with central banks sounding the alarm over inflation. Now, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is expected to slow the economic recovery, especially in Europe. Chris Giles is the FT's economics editor. He's been looking at the impact of the crisis on the economic recovery, and he joins me now. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mark. Chris, I know it's still, you know, early days, but what could a war in Ukraine do to torpedo the global economic recovery? The European economy starts uh, this crisis in a pretty strong state. Everything was looking up with the Omicron wave beginning to decline quite rapidly across Europe. But then the big thing is what happens if there is a big increase in gas prices and oil prices, both of which are imported for the European economy. The European Central Bank has done a a study of what would happen if there was a 10% cut in gas supplies. No one is thinking sanctions will mean that Europe doesn't buy any gas from Russia. Well, the ECB estimated that that would have an effect of cutting GDP across the eurozone by about 0.7 of a percent. So pretty significant just for a 10% cut in gas supplies. And it would have much bigger effects in countries that are really dependent on gas, like Slovakia or Austria or Portugal. Much more likely, though, is that one of the offsetting effects was even if there was a shortage of gas, what would happen is the price would go up. And there, actually, the effects are rather smaller. So the ECB reckons that the price rises that we've seen in 2021, so last year, that would will ultimately be knocking about 0.2% of European growth this year. People can make alternative arrangements, you know, cut back. So all big threats to the European economy, but it's not sort of catastrophic. Chris, what about sanctions? The West has 
already hit Russia with some, and more will definitely be on the way now that Russia has invaded Ukraine. Uh, could sanctions affect the broader global economy? I don't think so, you know, Mark. I think this is this in, in and of itself is not the big threat, not the specific sanctions. will be hit some companies really hard and some sectors pretty hard, but the overall economy in Western nations are is pretty broad-based and pretty diverse and should be able to withstand that comprehensively. So is there anything that can be done to soften the blow if there is a conflict in Eastern Europe? I think there are two pronged strategy. One is to reduce reliance on Russia for energy, and that means both finding other sources of natural gas, whether it's Qatar or the US through liquid natural gas, but also storing more of it and making sure it's in strategic reserves for next winter. And then on the other economic policies, it's just ensuring that your general economic policies, and particularly what central banks do, doesn't exacerbate any difficulties from higher gas prices by tightening too far and pushing economies into recession. So there is, I think, going to be a bit of a stepping back from some of the more aggressive noises we've been hearing in recent weeks from central banks and maybe a little bit more accommodation of the higher inflation, just understanding that that's going to hit incomes uh, and, and the inflation in and of itself will not persist at those levels, particularly when there's a big external threat near to the European economy. Chris Giles is the FT's economics editor. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Mark. By the way, if you're an FT subscriber, join our Moscow bureau chief, Max Seddon, who you heard from before, and other experts for a free webinar on the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Tune in tomorrow, Friday, February 25th at 1 p.m. London, 8 in the morning, New York. You can sign up at ft.com slash Ukraine webinar. Again, that's ft.com slash Ukraine webinar. We'll also have a link in the show notes. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.